Podcast with Evan Claude. Thank you, Key Apparel, for sponsoring this episode. Introducing Key for Business, your company's one-stop shop for uniform solutions, custom-branded apparel, marketing gear, and our exclusive employee purchasing program. From the field to the office, Key for Business has the apparel your company needs to get the job done. And with our in-house embellishment team, buying apparel for your employees has never been easier. Find out more at keyapparel.com. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, we are a day late because we're super lame and we uh, obviously cannot keep on an agenda. So we are here any- anyways, but we're making up for it by having an amazing guest. Um, the man, the woman, the myth, the legend. <laughs> we're having the best guest of all times. Sorry that we're a day late. It's mostly my fault and Claudia's fault for uh, being such a hard worker. But, um, yeah, if you guys follow our Instagram, you know that our mother is our guest this week, Erica Lubner. She is here in the studio now, a.k.a. Claudia's room. So, Erica, I mean, Mom, sorry. <laughs> um, why don't you just introduce yourself, um, your age, uh, your age, your social security number, your address, and all the good details about your life. So, but really, tell us where you grew up, those kind of things, and where you are now and all that. Okay, yeah. So, hi, everybody. I am the mom to the NY Farm Girls, and I've actually been introduced as that, but I do have a name, Erica. <laughs> and I grew up in a small little town about 10 minutes east of where I live now in Navarino, New York. And I grew up on a small dairy farm. My dad uh, started the farm when I was about two years old in 1974. So if you guys are good at math, you can figure out how old I actually am if I was two in 1974. And I'm trying to figure it out. So, yeah, so I have three sisters, and on my dad's dairy farm, it was the small traditional dairy farm where he milked a hundred cow- about a hundred cows, never really went too much over that, and yeah, so that's where I grew up, so obviously, along the way of your life, you met Dad, our dad somehow, your husband, I don't know how to say that. How did you meet him? Well, it's kind of interesting because dad became friends with my cousin first. And so my cousin, Andy Horgan, who he's actually has a YouTube page, Farming, Fixing, and Fabricating. And a lot of people always ask that question. So anyways, you know, they became friends somehow through their big trucks or something i don't know (laughs) they make trucks yeah like they both had cool trucks because we went to different school districts i went to you know my cousin and i went to onondaga central and dad went to marcellus so you know back in the day uh without social media if you met somebody from a different school district it was kind of a big deal So anyways, those two used to hang out, and um, I was best friends with Andy's younger sister, Bridget, 
also my cousin. And so we would be out and I would see dad with Andy. I'd be like, who's that? You know, and Bridget would be like, oh, that's Tim Lubner. And so anyways, that was like really a whole year before I met dad. And then when I was a senior in high school, um, my basketball team actually did really good. And we went to the um, semifinals for our section. And, I, you know, Bridget and I, we both played basketball. And we the season was so long. And we were actually kind of excited that we lost because we could go out to a party, which didn't make our teammates too happy but you know we it was just a long season we're kind of over it but so we go to this party in Marcellus and that's where I saw dad and his brother Ed and me and my friends you know we were all talking to these Marcellus guys and uh it was kind of a wild party but you know dad he's a little shorter than me so I was kind of looking more at his brother, Ed. Now, mind you, I'm only 17 years old, you know. So Yeah, really. That is really crazy. <laughs> so I was looking at dad's younger brother, Ed, who he was more my height, closer to six foot. And but long story short, I ended up going out with dad and not right. his younger brother. Yeah. Well. That's probably a good thing. We're happy where we are now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot more details, but that was kind of the gist of it. I mean, how it really kind of happened was my cousin Bridget liked this guy that worked on dad's farm. And, you know, she said to me, you know, promise coming up in a couple of months. And I really want to ask this guy, maybe if you asked him, you know, are you guys really going to put this on there? Because this is a... Yeah, I like it. It's funny. <laughs> okay. So, so my cousin Bridget was like, if you guys ask... Or Bridget was like, if you ask Tim, you know, maybe this guy... I'm not going to mention his name in case he ever hears this. Um, maybe he'll say yes. So we kind of came up with this whole plan of, you know, we're going to go ask them and then we'll reconvene and, you know, tell about the results. So, you know... I go back, we come back together and my cousin Bridget says, uh, he said no. And I'm like, damn it. Tim said yes. So, so for my senior prom, um, Tim was my date and that's how it really started. Like we, in the chat, you go the shorter guy. Than I know. <laughs> I, yeah. So, but he started out like as me asking him, as my prom date and really the rest is history. I mean, that is like a true story of the rest is history. We formed a really good friendship because I think every strong marriage starts with a good friendship. And we figured out that we actually had fun together and liked each other a lot. So, yeah. And, you know, in, the only time that it really was doubtful, in case you were going to ask that question, <laughs> was... But I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> I was going to college and everything. 
you know, my career goal was to be a New York State trooper. So I got to that crossroads, you know, I started taking the tests and I was making the moves to go to the trooper academy. And, you know, I remember the exact place where dad and I were in a car together. We're actually coming off the Onondaga Indian Reservation. And we were talking about it. And he was like, you know, if you got to go to Albany and be in the academy with all those guys, you got to do what you got to do. Like, you know, dad always wanted to support me in that. And that's when I just decided at that one of the times I decided, like, I don't know if I want to go in the Trooper Academy or not. So, I mean, there was other things that kind of happened, but that was one of them. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, yeah, so, as you guys know, she has, like, a really, my mom is a big part in the pumpkin patch that was started by our dad. And if you don't know about that, you should go listen to our Give Them Something. Give them pumpkin to talk about episode, which is like our second episode. But you have a lot of, of involvement on our pumpkin farm right now. So besides that, you can go into that too. But what else do you do in your life? Because a lot of people ask, like, are you involved on in the farm or not? So just like tell them like what you do. Yeah. So I mean, a little background history with that because I know you're going to edit this, but, um, you know, so after I got my undergraduate degree and decided that I didn't want to go into law enforcement and decided that I wanted to be a social worker, I went on to get my master's degree at Syracuse in social work. And, you know, like I had these really exciting goals for myself to pursue being a social worker and like, you know, working in a clinic, you know, whether it would be for substance abuse or mental health. And so I was working right along and I got pregnant for you, Evelyn, which was very much, you know, planned. And we were so excited to start a family. And I, you know, my first job, in getting my master's, I worked with um, runaway girls, you know, girls who have been kicked out of their homes or runaways. And I just remember like being like nine months pregnant and sitting with my supervisor and thinking, oh my God, like there's no way that I can put my kid, you know, I didn't know what you were going to be, boy or girl, in daycare every day. So, I resigned and I can remember like just like sobbing with my my supervisor because I was so sad to leave but so excited to be able to stay home with you mm-hmm. and that really ended up being just a huge like crossroads in not only my life but the life of our business because at that time the pumpkin patch was just a field of pumpkins with a few wheelbarrows and like a calf mm-hmm. that's all it was we had a calf yeah like we had a like a calf like that's it we didn't have any other animals and so i thought well if i'm gonna be home and with evelyn or you know raising a family then 
we can grow the people side of the pumpkin farm because before that it was just, you know, go out, pick your own pumpkin. And we hired a couple of local kids to, to run it. So anyways, that's when the pumpkin farm really started to take off because I devoted all my energy into, um, you know, advertising and building the bakery gift shop and agritourism, you know, when you were like maybe only four or five months old, Evelyn, dad and I, you know, realized like, wow, there's other places that are doing great things with their pumpkin farms. So we had you stay with Papa and Gigi while we went to Canada and we visited another pumpkin farm and yeah like it was our first time away like from you so that was a big thing you're only only a few months old so we went to Niagara Falls we went to this pumpkin farm in Ontario and we learned all about like the whole world of people who have you know farms with more than just go out in the field and pick pumpkins and so really I mean in the last 20 years or so I mean that's really when the pumpkin patch took off is when I decided to you know be home raise a family and really grow that side of the pumpkin patch dad and I work really well as a team you know he's always so supportive of what I do and my ideas and I'm supportive of what he does and his ideas and that's always been a really good energy field to be in you know and like throughout that time period of not working and then putting all your energy into the pumpkin patch you've also made your way back into social work with New York FarmNet so do you want to talk about that a little bit too yeah so I mean the whole time of raising little kids and being at home as a mom like you do miss that professional side and being able to get out and and like I spent a lot of money on my master's degree so <clears throat> I sought out New York FarmNet. New York FarmNet is an organization that is based out of Cornell and we do personal and financial consulting w- with farmers throughout New York State and it was actually you guys that you girls that Get a job. <laughs> no, I oh. no. Listen, so I tell people this all the time. Like I know it because I interviewed you. Yeah, so you know when you guys were little, like very little, and we would go to the farm show. It was such a big event in the summer, and you guys would just like raid all the tables, and then we would come home like it was Halloween night and sort through all your bags, and so you guys had a pamphlet and a magnet <laughs> of New York FarmNet. And I was like, who grabbed the pamphlet is what I want to know, because that is really boring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe somebody made you take the pamphlet oh, with the 29 pens you took right, too. True. But, but I started reading about it and I can exactly remember the point where I was like telling Tim about like, look at this amazing agency. They do like, in my interpretation of it social work with farmers Mm -hmm. 
And so I just put the magnet on the fridge and didn't think much of it. Well, you know, fast forward maybe 10 years or something, and a friend of mine who I met, you know, through New York Ag Women said, you know, you really should be a consultant for New York FarmNet. I'm like, okay. And she kept bugging me about it. And so I called the executive director and I told him who I was. And I said, you know, I grew up on a family farm. I married into a, a farm family. I, I've lived it. I know what it is. I have a master's in social work. And I went down to Cornell for an interview and I was hired on the spot and I was like, holy crap, I got my first real job since having Evelyn. (laughs) So, but that was like, you know, Jojo was in first grade, which was my goal. Like I wanted to go back to work when you guys were all in school all day Mm -hmm. so that you didn't have to, you know, be in daycare or anything like that. Which which was tough, you know, because I always miss that professional part. I feel like Claudia's struggling not talking. (laughs) 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 Oh yeah, that was like how I started out with it and I've been there for almost ten years and I also learned that in addition to FarmNet, there's also a need for people who don't necessarily want to go through FarmNet for the work that I do. And so I started my own um, private consulting business. So what do you do at FarmNet for those who don't know? Like, what are your duties? It's not like, so it's not an office job. I always thought that you did. I thought you had an office job, but you don't. No. Yeah, I mean, it's been a challenge, like, through COVID working from home, but that's a whole nother thing. So my job is, you know, there's so many issues that farmers face, just like every person faces. But I feel like, you know, farmers are so unique in that they're just more proud, they're more private, and they're not one to just go running to look for help for personal issues. Mm -hmm. But the farm family business is so unique in that, you know, it's so intertwined, you know, the family, the emotions, the business. And so my job is to go in and help people sort all of that out. I'm a neutral 100% confidential person where they can just spill it, put it out there and I can help them sort things out. And you also help like moving, like say someone, the grandpa is getting like old and you have to transfer the business to like the younger generation. Do you help with that too, right? Yeah. So the, the big issues that we primarily work with are, you know, obviously if a farmer is having a personal issue, like, depression or stress, anxiety, or maybe they're having marital issues. But right now with the baby boomers who are, you know, in their upper 50s to 
late 60s, early 70s, they are looking at retirement and they are thinking about how are we going to keep this farm going? Who is the next generation? How do we transfer this farm? And so typically right now what we see is, you know, the next generation are millennials and that's a huge clash in how they do things, mm-hmm. how they experience life. So, so much of the work that I do are trying to bring everybody together at the table to just talk about the issues and understand where everybody's coming from to be able to keep the farm going. That's probably hard. Well, it is hard because, you know, the millennials have such a, I mean, culturally speaking, they're so different than their, and I don't know, maybe I'm skipping a generation a little bit because like my generation and I'm in my forties and you know, I'm considered, (laughs) I'm considered generation X and you know, my parents are baby boomers, but so, I mean, I got, I think the biggest thing is, you know, baby boomers, the way they run their farms, they're used to controlling everything themselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, they are the farm and they're not used to the next generation always, you know, being on their cell phones. And the biggest clash that I see is that the millennial generation, which I think like generally speaking, just gets a bad rap. But yeah. but they are the, and I think people should know this, so the baby boomers were always known as the biggest generation, like the most people, mm-hmm. you know, just by nature of the baby boom. That's why they're called that. But yeah. the millennials surpass the baby boomers in numbers. So what? they, yes. So they are the next, they are the biggest generation, the millennials right now. Wow. Because there was financial prosperity and with their parents, you know, so they felt more comfortable in having children. So the biggest thing that I see with millennials in comparison to their parents is that millennials love the experience of life. So what does that mean? It means they want more time with their families when they're getting married and they're having little kids and they want more time. And that is not what their parents had. Like their parents were boom time with the business. Like they sacrificed spending time with family, you know, to build the business. So Mm -hmm. now they have these kids that want to spend time with their family and they're like, what? You know, you need to be at the farm. That's really interesting. It is. But you think about it, like if you do the research and you look at, you know, like especially social media, like that is what has been so explosive about social media and millennials because, and we've capitalized that here at the pumpkin farm, you know, everything is about being able to post pictures about look at me like what I'm doing with my kids you know as an engaged couple or everything is you know it's all about the experience and 
that is not how their parents, you know, came through life. It was all about the grind of building the business, putting the hours in, growing their careers. And so that that is probably the biggest conflict that, you know, I experienced with the older generation saying like, oh my God, they want weekends off. Like seriously, like you can't have weekends off as a farmer. Like that just doesn't happen. Alrighty. So we are talking about mental health today, obviously. Um, farmers, I feel like deal with a lot more stress than they make it seem with all that they deal with. Is that a good statement? I yeah. do. I mean, well, sorry, Evelyn. I was going to say, I feel like they deal with so much stress, but they don't like to talk about it at all. Yeah, they're just so humble and they just act like it's just their life. But I wanted to talk about how there's a lot of stress that farmers deal with that they really can't control. So I'm talking about, like, weather, um, when you have a drought or a flood. Uh, maybe you the milk prices tanked in the last year or a death in the family or something like that that you just can't control. What are some ways that you tell, like, how do you help farmers deal with stress when they have stress like that and especially like the uncontrollable stress you know what i'm talking about i do because i feel like you know i've lived it my whole life although i never like it's weird when i was growing up like i know those stresses obviously existed but my father i never saw that in him you know i don't know that i don't i feel like you know those things weren't really openly shared in the family I was growing up in. But, you know, obviously the weather and the prices and labor and, you know, it all kind of falls into one. And, I mean, the first thing that I talk to farmers about is, you know, there's things that we can tr can control and things that are out of our control. And so a lot of it does fall back on, you know, just our thoughts about it. So ironically, when I work with farmers, I talk with them a lot about thought, how thought works, how we manage our thoughts. And at first I feel like, you know, are they just looking at me like I'm just some whack job? Like, but I tend to get more credibility with farmers because I grew up on a farm and I married a farmer. So that kind of gets me in the door a little bit quicker. But when it comes to these things, like to help them realize, like, you know, at the end of the day, we can't control the weather, but we can control you know, when we choose to put seed in the ground, when we choose to harvest and, you know, how we manage. And then, you know, just talking about like regular stress management techniques when it comes to, you know, relaxation and, you know, the things that we do to find joy in our life. And I mean, to be quite honest, like with this whole coronavirus thing, I've been finding myself like practicing what I preach because mm -hmm. 
<laughs> there's so many things that have come up, you know, during this where I'm just like stressed out and having anxiety about, and I'm like, you know, slap of myself on the face. Think Erica, like you tell other farmers to, you know, do this and do that, but like you're getting lost and caught up in your own thought. So with the thought thing, like, what do you say to like control their thoughts? So I don't say to control their thoughts because we really don't have control over our thoughts. Like, and I was just the example of like, okay, right now I'm going to tell you to not think about a pink elephant right now, mm-hmm. you know? So, <laughs> so that pink elephant just pops right into your mind. So that's proof positive that we don't have control over our thoughts. We can't, you know, cancel our thoughts. So it really comes down to realizing that our thoughts can move through our minds. They, we can manage them. We can say, okay, I can realize right now that I don't have to think about that pink elephant for the next hour. I can realize that that can kind of move through my brain and I can think about the next thought. And so it's, you know, I had a one farmer who really, really grasped it. I was like so excited for him to know when I said, you know, it's like being on a Ferris wheel and the Ferris wheel of thought goes round and round and round and round and you can just you can decide at any time to get off the ferris wheel and for him like that really worked and he always uses that and if if he ever hears this podcast he will know who i'm talking about (laughs) but you know like we can choose at any time like okay there goes the pink elephant and here comes the the black jaguar, you know, like we could just like see thought as moving through our brain. So like, you know, I was really stressed out today about something that our governor came down about, you know, our, that would affect our business drastically. And I saw that, you know, as like, wow, I can really stay fixated on that. Or I can like, see the next thought as like I am a resourceful person and I can figure out a solution to that and I can focus on that instead of focusing on, you know, the negative. My question was something that I feel like is really hard for farmers because like Claudia and I were saying like it's just so hard for farmers because they're just like such tough people to just know when to reach out. So like what do you think is like the right, like how should farmers know when it's time to reach out for help? How can like they tell when their mental health is suffering? Cause like, it's obviously really hard for them to get to that point and being like, all right, I need help. Yeah. I mean, it is so tough because <clears throat> farmers, like I can say 100% that the first thing they think of is like how they could fix it themselves, whether they're going to go get some bailing twine or, you know, whatever it is, they're going to try to fix it themselves first. But I think, you know, my go-to is when their thoughts about, you know, their stressors are starting to 
affect their daily life. For example, if they are losing sleep, you know, if they're waking up in the middle of the night and they're not able to get back to sleep or they have low energy, like they all of a sudden they notice like they're not able to get up in the morning or they're not they're not wanting to get out of bed in the morning because of, you know, the thoughts are getting in the way of how the day is going to go. Or one of the biggest things that I see with farmers is their relationships. You know, oftentimes with New York FarmNet, we get a significant other, a spouse calling saying, you know, they're short-tempered, their frustration level is low, and their relationships start to suffer. Or, you know, maybe they've picked up a new habit, like gambling or substance abuse, or they're just not their normal self. Um, A lot of times, you know, what we say is like, sometimes the farmstead looks different than it always has when it was always neat and mowed and picked up and all of a sudden you know that has drastically changed mm-hmm. uh, but I think you know the biggest thing I could say with for people is there's no shame in it you know like there's no shame in asking for help and that is the I think the hardest thing that farmers need to grapple with, you know, even yeah. like in college, like I struggled and I still do struggle like with anxiety and I just mm-hmm. felt like so embarrassed to just go talk to a therapist about it. I don't know why there's like a stigma around it. Yeah, there is such a stigma because, you know, farmers have such a, you know, pick themselves up by the bootstraps and, you know, just such grit and, you know, get through it, just head down and, you know, but at the end of the day, we're just human and these issues are so real and they're, they can be so overwhelming and there should be no shame in that. You know, like I always say, like, you know, if somebody is a diabetic, would they just ignore you know, the fact that they are having health issues or would they go to a doctor to help manage their blood sugar? And it's the same thing with mental health. Okay. And Claudia has one more question to wrap up our mental health segment. Do you want to ask that, Claude? Of course I do. So the last question is pretty simple I would say people don't like when I make a precursor to our questions but I, I kind of like to give them like a little insight so what do you recommend to farmers or anyone that are struggling with their mental health like what do you well, recommend them doing well I mean this doesn't help much for my job security but I honestly feel that the best thing that a farmer can do is peer support you know I feel like if they know another farmer well enough that they can trust that they should mention that or talk to somebody that you know they that is a farmer and they are in it because 
there's no, I, I know even with myself, like just things that are coming up for me with a pumpkin patch, like how am I going to deal with this and how am I going to deal with that? Well, I'm already looking at like going to talk with other <clears throat> farmers nearby about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my first go-to is to find a, a nearby farmer that you can really trust and support and you know, that you could find that support in to talk with. And if that doesn't really exist, you know, if you're a little bit more isolated or you feel like you don't have anyone that you can trust, you know, perhaps that in New York, we have New York FarmNet, which is an awesome organization. But in other states, I know that different extension offices off also offer that support and if you guys have if you're from a state and if you want to reach out to us and ask like where should i go feel free to do that because i know we can just ask you mom and you probably could have some resources yeah we definitely have a big you know network of support but i seriously feel like you know there's nothing like reaching out to another fellow farmer to get that support yeah Everyone's in the same boat. What? Everyone's in the same boat, really. If you're not a farmer and you are just a, whatever, like you might call a friend and just talk with them. I mean, that is the same thing. You know, like even dad, we have a couple of very close farmer friends that you guys know about. And we try to get together with them a handful of times a year for that very reason to commiserate, to talk about the current issues, to, you know, like acknowledge that this is the issue and we're all in this together. And that has been huge for dad, you know, to get together with those guys. I feel like one good conversation with someone can change like your entire outlook on things. Totally, totally. And people... I feel like farmers don't seek that out enough because for some weird reason, or I may, I know the reasons, but farmers have become so competitive with each other, especially Mm -hmm. in our own neighborhood. And we've, we've lost that. We've lost that way of just being able to talk with each other. So real and being like, this just sucks. Well, yeah, that pretty much closes out our mental health uh, segment of the episode. So if you guys have any questions. I've got the whole box of tissues over here. (laughs) You know, the thing is, it can be so depressing to talk about this topic, but it's so real. I think it shouldn't go unmentioned or unnoticed about the suicide rate of farmers. And, I mean, the suicide rate... I think in general in our country is up, but with farmers, I mean, there's such a, such a incredible sense of pride and with pride comes shame. And so I think when people ask me like, why is the number of farmer suicides up? And I'm like, you combine pride with shame. I mean, how can you question that? 
Well, thank you very much for speaking on that. And I really do encourage anyone listening to this, if you have any questions or concerns or you just want to reach out, please do so. All right. So now we're just going to go to like a quick fun fact questions. Like, Oh, I like this one. You don't have to be elaborate on them. My first one was, and I know you don't like this question because recently I asked you it and you're like, I don't know. I don't have any, but <laughs> I was going to ask, um, what's your favorite pastime that doesn't have to do with work? Politics. Okay. And how so? I mean, I realized that anything that I did or do for enjoyment usually always has to do with work and our business. Turning and it making into money. Like making money. Yeah, totally. Everything. Everything always has to do with money. Because remember, what were you saying that one time? We were going to like talking about making something and they're like oh I could sell that exactly like everything and what do you classify a hobby as something that you do to lose money on purpose yes (laughs) so for me it would be my time to lose money you know by not being productive with my time to lose money and yeah so I'm gonna put it out there in the last three years three and a half years um I took one public administration class in my undergrad and got a little bit into politics and we don't need to go into all the history of that, but yeah, I really, huh? You enjoy it. Politics. I do. I, and it's, it goes beyond politics. It goes beyond, it goes really to the core of, you know, I never realized how much I love this country and being an American and being a true patriot. What did you envision your life looking like when you were younger? Mm-hmm. Like, I know you did not plan on marrying a farmer. No, I actually told my parents that I was never going to marry a farmer. And when were you, how old were you then? I don't even know. But did you, did you like think of your life any different? Like, like never thought of it. You never thought of it? Nope. Okay. Bad question. I guess. <laughs> you want to be she well, wanted to be a trooper but oh, i wanted him and she wanted to change her name to amber <laughs> <laughs> well i will say this though i actually did this in a a talk that i did with new york agri-women that when you are about 10 years old if you can remember back then and you used to play make-believe or whatever you thought you were you know I was the mayor. Okay. Yes, good. you were. Every time. Every Remember single that. time. Because, like, I did this whole talk, and what I used to do, there were two things that I would do. And this is a 100% true story. I remember that story. <laughs> you do? Yes, you told me this. All right. So one thing I would do is, like, in the springtime, like, our play yard got all muddy and everything. And I, we had a playhouse that my grandfather built us. And I would turn that playhouse into a bakery. And we would make mud pies and mud cookies. And I would make my younger sisters come up to the playhouse and buy these pies and cookies and everything. And then the other thing I would do, I set up this little table in our garage and I would make my sisters ride their bike up to 
my little table and I would pretend that I had this little sign that said, tell me your problems. I am your friend. And I'd remember those things. And, I, and the other thing was like, I would also make my sisters pretend that they were morticians. What like, does that mean? I was like a dead body and they would what? have to like position me <laughs> in certain so things. But like, like out of the three things, like I became two of them. I became a baker because we have a bakery and I became the counselor the mortician thing is weird. Like maybe yeah, that'll be a retirement job. Yeah. I don't know. But so my point is, is that you know we kind of always know what we're gonna do based on if we look back to. I was Mamelorain at Flopping Flop Flop Off Repair Shop. Oh, I don't know about this one. Um, <laughs> I bet. I want to be a vet. Okay, mom. But now you are married to a farmer. What is your favorite part about being married to a farmer? I think the best about being married to a farmer is like, like last night, you know, like dinner was done and I was, I knew I was going to be home alone for a while. And I knew that dad was in the combine so I just, you know, hopped in the Ranger and I drove to found, find him and I got in the combine with him for until he decided to, you know, Didn't he break something? Hmm? Oh, yeah. yeah, the whole time? <laughs> well, yeah, until he decided, until he realized that the rattle was going to be more than a rattle. <laughs> it was going to be a, a broken thing. But, like, I feel like just the freedom of that I, you know, being married to a farmer means that I can be involved in his life. Yeah, true. When I want to be, like, if he was a lawyer, a lawyer in the office or a cop or a teacher or whatever, like, I wouldn't be able to just, you know join him like that to me has been my favorite thing is like at any time I can be alongside him, be his partner and be a part of his life throughout the day. Never thought of that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's always supported that. He loves that. He, I mean, sometimes it's stressful when I'm like, in the tractor with him or, you know, and he's trying to like deal with, you know, a half broken piece of machinery or whatever, but you know, I can be a part of that. I can help him through that stress or make it a little bit lighter in the moment. And, you know, that's a lot of times what I say to a lot of, you know, newly married, you know, or into a relationship person with a farmer is like, why wouldn't you just be a part of their life in the moment? You can do that. You don't have to make it all about you in the moment. Like, you know, why aren't they home? Or why can't we go here? Why can't we do this? Like, I have always joined dad where he is in the moment in mm-hmm. his life. You guys might look through the pictures that we have of 
you guys, you know, us showing up to the field or yeah, me pawning you off to dad and the tractor. Like those were all moments in time of like, this is our life. You know, this is how we make it all work. Mm-hmm. The next questions we have are from our listeners. And we got some really great ones for you this week. They're really excited that you're going to be here. So the first one I have... Bomber Raider! God. The first one I have, um, they actually want advice on something. So they said, what is the best way to support my brother who runs our fourth generation family farm full-time and struggles with the constant uh, issues and struggles that farmers face? It feels like reminding him of all the good that comes with farming sometimes discredits the struggles he and every other farmer faces. He's been on the fence about selling the cows slash farm for a few years because of this. You have to clock in for this one. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty deep. I mean, you can always give him my number for one. Like, I'd be willing to talk to anybody about that, which has been one of my downfalls of this, you know, being able to just... I have a hard time with, you know, being able to not talk to somebody about these issues because they are so deep. Mm-hmm. So, this person is what? Can you restate that? Yeah. So, basically, she wants to figure out a way to support her brother who runs the farm because he's been contemplating selling the family farm. And she feels like when she reminds him of all the good things that come with farming, she feels like that discredits like all the struggles that he faces well i mean i guess my biggest thing would be like no what is his passion like what is he most passionate about because if it means that much to him like how willing like what lengths is he willing to go Mm -hmm. to keep it to keep it going you know and because there's issues that happen within family farms that are pretty significant and they can really be worked through. You know, they can feel like so huge and so awful, but at the end of the day, like they could still be worked through. And I feel like that's a really general lame answer, but I mean, do you think she should she should still keep talking about the positives or like? Of course. I mean, when you think about it, like a family farm and with somebody who wants to keep going with it, like what is their stamina? What's their endurance with it? Like how much does it mean to them to go to the ends to make it work? This is a question that I'm actually going to name who asked it because I know she wouldn't mind. Sydney, your niece, wanted to know one of your favorite memories of growing up on the farm. Mom, stop. (laughs) No. She's crying. (laughs) What's so emotional? Sydney, curse you. Mom, (laughs) stop. Answer the question. I knew it. So I think... One of my best memories is when, I don't know why, but. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, that's emotionalness to our podcast. Yeah, like, so must must be like one of us started playing softball, <laughs> and Pop Up made a backstop, and after work he started. He came out and he pitched the ball to us. Oh, this is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? Yeah, so oh, I think one of, like, that's it. Like, you know, like, he, like, after a long day of work, like, came out and did that. That's cute. Does that make, did, like, so, like, can I say this? Like, not crying. No, I like crying. No. You, <laughs> it is the authenticity. Like, that's a good, that's a good exit for that. Next question. This is from this was from one of our fans that had a a very serious question. So if you wouldn't mind answering it. So if you wouldn't mind holding it together. How does one know or do I know? It's a question, but how does one know if they have anxiety or depression? I've heard you talk about this before. With physical signs, emotional signs, relationship signs. Right. Because I feel like it's just a lot of people don't know, like, even, like, when I first started having anxiety, like, I was like, what is this weird feeling? When it starts to <laughs> overpower your thoughts, and then it spills into your emotions and behaviors, ultimately. I mean, how you carry yeah. out your day, you know, your actions, you know, that's when you know that it really is a problem that you should seek help for when it starts to, you know, alter how your actions are playing out throughout the day. What are, like, the physical signs? Well, I mean, the first physical sign, I feel like, is just, like, a depletion of your energy. You know, like, you, you know, like, normally would, you know, wake up in the morning and feel like okay it's time to get out of bed and it's time to get started with my day versus you know you wake up and you just feel exhausted every single move feels like you have you know cement blocks heavy bones totally yeah but some days I do feel like I have heavy bones but I think I'm just tired or it's your huge Chippewas (laughs) I think that, like, I'm just, like, unmotivated. But I don't think I'm depressed. But it spills over into, like, you know, like, are you eating more or eating less or, you know, like... I eat a lot. (laughs) Does it totally consume your every moment? You know, everything is, you know, consumed with the next move, the next th- the next thought. Next question! Last question of the night. This one was asked, like, three times, so please just answer it. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about this question because I don't think there's much option, but you'll get what I mean. You want to ask it or you, you want to you take the reins on this one, Abby? I'll take it because it really annoys me. All right, so we had, like, three questions asking this, and I feel like it's a very old way of thinking, 
And it said, as a farmer's wife, did you feel pressured to have a boy? Absolutely. Never once, even in my mind. You know, so I came from a farm family with four girls. And every time we, dad and I had a girl, and we never knew, we never found out, we never wanted to know what we were having. You know, like... We're still trying to figure out which Odo is. <laughs> you know, it's so, like, laughable at this point that whenever I see a comment or whatever about, you know, having all daughters, um, it's just such a archaic way of thinking. And, you know, dad is just such an awesome girl dad. And you should get a sticker for his track. But you know, the one thing that I um, probably was the most interesting for me growing up in a family of all girls, like when I met dad, like, so he had three brothers and a sister, or two brothers and a sister. And like, his sister was treated no differently from the guys. And that to me was the first indicator when I saw his sister working around the farm, like, wow, like she's treated no differently. And you guys have been treated no differently, you know, so at least I hope you haven't, have you? Well, that's why I feel like this question is so common for yeah. people because on a lot of farms, the girls are treated differently. Some people aren't allowed to work on the farm because they're a girl. Like, what the heck is that? Well, you know, I will say, and I don't know if Papa will ever hear this podcast, but I was. We were, you know, like, so, you know, Papa always, like, said that he didn't want his girls, you know, like, being a hired hand on the farm for whatever, but. You know, now I realize that that wasn't right. You know, like, he treated us differently. Like, he always put the hired guys that were my same age, my classmates, you know, ahead of us. You know, they were allowed to drive the tractors. They were allowed to milk the cows. And, you know, us girls were always, you know, put on the side doing the back chores. And, I don't know, like... I just realized that now and that, I guess, like, my realization of that really pushed me to never have that feeling with you guys. You know, like, when I when I met Dad and, you know, I saw everything that his sister did, like, and that girls were treated no different than the guys on Dad's farm. You know, like, I just thought, wow, that's pretty cool. But, you know, the farm that I came from, like, my dad thought that that was not right. He thought that girls shouldn't be put on that same level as guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But... Like, my, but, you know, in all honesty, like, when I think about, like, 
when I met dad and we got married and we started doing this business together, like dad, like that way of thinking pushed me to do things that I never would have done or thought that I could do. And then in turn, like it helped me to not put you girls like on some pedestal, like, well, you're girls and you shouldn't have to, or you shouldn't, you know, be doing those things like no like just allowed me to have you guys go out and do the same things that you know the guys always do i hope you guys really enjoyed this episode thank you mom for coming on i really appreciate you spending your time with us i really hope you do a lot of editing with this (laughs) raw footage that's all we need here she was a little nervous at first but she did great i love getting all the insight from her and Make sure you guys give us a like, follow, just rate us on iTunes. Anything you can helps us to keep making these episodes. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. And I apologize again for being late this week. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Love you all. But, you know, the one thing that I um, probably was the most interesting for me growing up in a family of all girls, like, when I met Dad, like, 
so he had three brothers and a sister, or two brothers and a sister. And like his sister was treated no differently from the guys. And that to me was the first indicator when I saw his sister working around the farm, like, wow, like she's treated no differently. And you guys have been treated no differently, you know, so at least I hope you haven't, have you? Well, that's why I feel like this question is so common for yeah. people because on a lot of farms, the girls are treated differently. Some people aren't allowed to work on the farm because they're a girl. Like, what the heck is that? Well, yeah. you know, I will say, and I don't know if Papa will ever hear this podcast, but I was. We were, you know, like, so... You know, Papa always, like, said that he didn't want his girls, you know, like, being a hired hand on the farm for whatever. But, you know, now I realize that that wasn't right. You know, like, he treated us differently. Like, he always put the hired guys that were my same age, my classmates, you know, ahead of us. You know, they were allowed to drive the tractors. They were allowed to milk the cows. And, you know, us girls were always, you know, put on the side doing the back chores. And I don't know, like, I just realized that now. And that, I guess, like, my realization of that really pushed me to never have that feeling with you guys yeah you know like when I when I met dad and you know I saw everything that his sister did like and that girls were treated no different than the guys on dad's farm you know like I just thought wow that's pretty cool but you know the farm that I came from like my dad thought that that was not right. He thought that girls shouldn't be put on that same level as guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a hard pull to swallow. Yeah. Um, but, like, my, but, you know, in all honesty, like, what I think about, like, when I met dad and we got married and we started doing this business together, like dad, like that way of thinking pushed me to do things that I never would have done or thought that I could do. And then in turn, like it helped me to not put you girls like on some pedestal, like, well, you're girls and you shouldn't have to, or you shouldn't, you know, be doing those things like no like it just allowed me to have you guys go out and do the same things that you know the guys always do I like yeah so I mean just with that like every single time I see a comment from your followers who are so well-intentioned that you know, they're like, oh, like, the guys, like, you know, does Tim ever wish that he had a son and everything? Like, 
I'm just like, oh my god, those poor people. Like, I can't believe they still think like that because you just don't need to have a penis to oh. do all this. <laughs> and and no. <laughs> I'm serious. So I agree. I find it really annoying when people say that because that is a very old way of thinking that's definitely changing. Yeah, I mean, you can bleep out that word, but, like, I just hear that and see that, and I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. It just is so, like... It doesn't make sense. 1800s, like, Little Home on the Prairie. Put on your bonnet, get to work. (laughs) But, yeah, that was our last question, and... That episode, it's going to be a little longer, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Put it on while you're driving in the tractor, or what else do people do, Claudia? I feel like they were telling <laughs> I, Why are you asking me? You're, like, you're acting like I'm the only one that's ever, like, worked or... I hope no, I'm not saying that, but people have been DMing us, like, oh, I listened to this while I was doing that. Oh, yeah, um, I mean, driving is a big one. You guys listen to it while you're driving, which is awesome. Uh, pitching out barns, moving cows, milking cows, you know? Listen up, and I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Mom, for coming on. I really appreciate you spending your time with us. I really hope you do a lot of editing with us. Oh, raw footage. That's all we need here. She was a little nervous at first, but she did great. I love getting all the insight from her. And make sure you guys give us a like, follow, just rate us on iTunes anything you can helps us to keep making these episodes yeah so thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week and I apologize again for being late this week peace out Girl Scouts peace out Girl Scouts love you all (laughs) All right, we're done Dustin's with us now I didn't think I was going to get emotional on that. Can you keep that to a minimum? (laughs) Yeah, that was good. That was great, Mom. You did awesome. Yeah, but really. But, you know, the one thing that I um, probably was the most interesting for me, growing up in a family of all girls, like, when I met Dad, like... So he had three brothers and a sister, or two brothers and a sister. And like his sister was treated no differently from the guys. And that to me was the first indicator when I saw his sister working around the farm. Like, wow, like she's treated no differently. And you guys have been treated no differently, you know. So at least I hope you haven't, have you? Well, that's why I feel like this question is so common for yeah. people because on a lot of farms, the girls are treated differently. I mean, they're not allowed to work on the farm because they're a girl. Like, what the heck is that? Yeah. Well, you know, I will say, and I don't know if Papa will ever hear this podcast, but I was. We were, you know, like, so... You know, Papa always, like, said that he didn't want his girls, you know, like, being a hired hand on the farm for whatever. But, 
you know, now I realize that that wasn't right. You know, like he treated us differently. Like he always put the hired guys that were my same age, my classmates, you know, ahead of us. You know, they were allowed to drive the tractors. They were allowed to milk the cows. And, you know, us girls were always, you know, put on the side doing the back chores. And I don't know, like, I just realized that now. And that, I guess, like, my realization of that really pushed me to never have that feeling with you guys yeah you know like when I when I met dad and you know I saw everything that his sister did like and that girls were treated no different than the guys on dad's farm you know like I just thought wow that's pretty cool but you know the farm that I came from like my dad thought that that was not right. He thought that girls shouldn't be put on that same level as guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was a hard pull to swallow. Yeah. Um, but, like, my, but, you know, in all honesty, like, what I think about, like, when I met dad and we got married and we started doing this business together, like dad, like that way of thinking pushed me to do things that I never would have done or thought that I could do. And then in turn, like it helped me to not put you girls like on some pedestal, like, well, you're girls and you shouldn't have to, or you shouldn't, you know, be doing those things like no like it just allowed me to have you guys go out and do the same things that you know the guys always do I like that. yeah so I mean just with that like every single time I see a comment from your followers who are so well-intentioned that you know, they're like, oh, like the guys, like, you know, does Tim ever wish that he had a son and everything? Like, I'm just like, oh, my God, those poor people. Like, I can't believe they still think like that because you just don't need to have a penis to oh. do all <laughs> And And <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I, I find it really annoying when people say that because that is a very old way of thinking that's definitely changing yeah I mean you can bleep out that word but like I just hear that and see that and I'm like are you serious yeah you know, it agree. just is so like it doesn't 18, make sense 1800s like little okay. on the prairie put on your bonnet get to work <laughs> right. but yeah that was our last question and that episode, it's going to be a little longer, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Put it on while you're driving in the tractor, or what else do people do, Claudia? I feel like they were telling <laughs> Why are you asking me? You're, like, you're acting like I'm the only one that's ever, like, worked or... I hope no, I'm not know. saying that, but people have been DMing us, like, oh, I listened to this while I was doing that. Oh, yeah, um, 
I mean, driving is a big one. You guys listen to it while you're driving, which is awesome. Uh, pitching out barns, moving cows, milking cows, you know. Listen up, and I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Mom, for coming on. I really I, appreciate you spending your time with us. I really hope you do a lot of editing with this. Yeah, <laughs> raw footage. That's all we need here. She was a little nervous at first, but she did great. I love getting all the insight from her. And make sure you guys give us a like, follow, just rate us on iTunes. Anything you can helps us to keep making these episodes. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. And I apologize again for being late this week. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Love you all. All right. So we're done. Dustin's with us now. I didn't think I was going to get emotional on that. Can you keep that to a minimum? (laughs) Yeah, that was good. That was great, Mom. You did awesome. Yeah, but really. But, you know, the one thing that I um, probably was the most interesting for me Growing up in a family of all girls, like, when I met Dad, like, so he had three brothers and a sister, or two brothers and a sister, and, like, his sister was treated no differently from the guys, and that, to me, was the first indicator when I saw his sister working around the farm, like, wow, like, she's treated no differently, and you guys have been treated no differently, you know, so at least I hope you haven't, have you? Well, that's why I feel like this question is so common for yeah. people because on a lot of farms, the girls are treated differently. Some people aren't allowed to work on the farm because they're a girl. Like, what the heck is that? Well, yeah. you know, I will say, and I don't know if Papa will ever hear this podcast but I was we were you know like so you know Papa always like said that he didn't want his girls you know like being a hired hand on the farm for whatever but you know now I realize that that wasn't right you know like he treated us differently like he always put the hired guys that were my same age, my classmates, you know, ahead of us, you know, they were allowed to drive the tractors. They were allowed to milk the cows and, you know, us girls were always, you know, put on the side doing the back chores. And I don't know, like, I just realized that now and that, I guess like my realization of that really, pushed me to never have that feeling with you guys. Yeah. You know, like when I, when I met dad and, you know, I saw everything that his sister did, like, and that girls were treated no different than the guys on dad's farm, you know, like, I just thought, wow, that's pretty cool. But, you know, the farm that I came from, like, my dad thought that that was not right. 
he thought that girls shouldn't be put on that same level as guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But, like, my, but, you know, in all honesty, like, when I think about, like, when I met dad and we got married and we started doing this business together, like, dad, like, that way of thinking pushed me to do things that I never would have done or thought that I could do. And then, in turn, like, it helped me to not put you girls, like, on some pedestal, like, well, you're girls and you shouldn't have to, or you shouldn't, you know, be doing those things. Like, no, like it just allowed me to have you guys go out and do the same things that, you know, the guys always do. I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, just with that, like every single time I see a comment from your followers who are so well-intentioned that, you know, they're like, oh, like the guys, like, you know, does Tim ever wish that he had a son and everything? Like, I'm just like, oh my God, those poor people. Like, I can't believe they still think like that because you just don't need to have a penis to oh. do all this <laughs> And, and no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I find it really annoying when people say that because that is a very old way of thinking that's definitely changing. Yeah, I mean, you can bleep out that word, but like, I just hear that and see that, and I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. yeah. It agree. just is so like. Doesn't make sense. 1800s, like little prairie. Put on your bonnet, get to work. (laughs) But yeah, that was our last question. And that episode, it's going to be a little longer. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Put it on while you're driving in the tractor. What else do people do, Claudia? I feel like they were telling. (laughs) Why are you asking me? You're you're acting like I'm the only one that's ever worked or. I hope no, I'm not saying that, but people have been DMing us like, oh, I listened to this while I was doing that. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, driving is a big one. You guys listen to it while you're driving, which is awesome. Uh, pitching out barns, moving cows, milking cows, you know. Listen up, and I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Mom, for coming on. I really I, appreciate you spending your time with us. I really hope you do a lot of editing with us. Yeah, <laughs> raw footage. That's all we need here. She was a little nervous at first, but she did great. I love getting all the insight from her. And make sure you guys give us a like, a follow, just rate us on iTunes. Anything you can helps us to keep making these episodes. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. And I apologize again for being late this week. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Love you all. (laughs) All right. We're done. Dustin's with us now. I didn't think I was going to get emotional on that. Can you keep that to a minimum? (laughs) Me. Yeah, that was good. That was great, Mom. You did awesome. Yeah, but really. But, you know, the one thing that 
I um, probably was the most interesting for me growing up in a family of all girls. Like when I met dad, like, so he had three brothers and a sister or two brothers and a sister. And like his sister was treated no differently from the guys. And that to me was the first indicator when I saw his sister working around the farm, like, wow, like she's treated no differently. And you guys have been treated no differently, you know, so at least I hope you haven't.